Welcome back to another episode of George in the Jungle. I am Aaron Smith, joined as always by the esteemed one in a million George Vogel. Uh, but we are presented by Remington Tavern as always. Remington Tavern can be found at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140, where they have daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m. You can catch the $5 Woodford Wednesdays, and you can follow them on Instagram at RemyTav, R-E-M-I-T-A-V, Cincy with a Y, or follow them on Facebook. Well, George, last night was one for the ages, and I say that as it's it was only their eighth time, uh, I believe, eighth matchup ever against these Kansas Jayhawks. Not just the eighth time at Fog Allen, but, but I believe the eighth time only that these teams have ever matched up. Unfortunately, it did not go the way of the Bearcats as they fall in another conference matchup. 74-69. The score may be a bit more indicative of... I didn't feel the game was ever as close as the score showed, I guess. It didn't feel like it, but they just wouldn't go away. And, you know, you give UC credit for that because they kept hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there and hung in until the final. I mean, you know, they made a little run to make it close there at the end. Um, they covered the spread for 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 those Bearcat betters out there. Um, but I think everyone from a UC standpoint on this thing was a little bit disappointed uh, it, you know, the, the team played well in some aspects, but in other aspects, um, you know, some old problems crop, cropped up. The problems with the turnovers early that got them in the hole, um, you know, the problem of getting the offense started early, uh, that kind of happened in both halves. Um, but, you know, outside of the UC perspective on this, I've had a lot of people who are uh, – fans of other teams who saw that game last night and they were impressed with Cincinnati and they think they've got a pretty darn good team. And when you look at four big 12 losses by a total of 13 points, man, I mean, that, that, that's tough. And, you know, we saw this six game stretch coming and you were hoping against hope, I guess they could go three and three. I think people would have been satisfied with three and three, uh, two and four, you know, you're probably a little disappointed in that, especially as close as the games were that they dropped. And, and man, you look at the last two losses, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas, and just kind of, to me, um, lack of good inside offense. And I think that can still be a strength of this team. But, um, you know, Big Vic just didn't get it done in those games. And, and I, I, I'm thinking that's a guy that you got to park down there on offense a little more and go that route as opposed to, you know, having him run around a little more on the perimeter and not post up down there. And uh, his numbers, three of 14, uh, cumulative in those two games. And to me, they're not going to win games when Vic's, you know, doing that. Uh, that you, you got to get more out of him than that because, 
you know, you're not getting a lot of help down there out of out of Aziz. You know, he's more of a defensive presence. Um, we, we, we see what the offensive game is, and if it isn't a lob or some kind of put-back put back dunk, you're just not getting a lot out of him offensively down there, and that's why I think you got to establish Big Vic down there, and I would like to see them get back to that. Again, saying all that stuff, these games were close. These games came down to the wire, and, and they they either one of those games could have conceivably gone the other way if uh, UC makes some big shots down the stretch against Oklahoma. The issue was more at the free throw line when it came to shooting, although their overall percentage wasn't good um, last night. What did it end up? Was it three of 18 from three? Am I remembering that right? I didn't. Three of 18s for 16.7%. Yeah, that's that's in 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 today's college basketball game. That's not going to uh, that's not going to help you. That's not going to get you wins, and and certainly uh, it didn't help them last night. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the streak of of games, this gauntlet of games, as Cincinnati has faced now six ranked opponents in a row. The first time since ninety three ninety four that they've had to face such a stint. Uh, that was on the broadcast last night. I didn't. Didn't find that stat on my own. I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due there. Um, but I, this this team's – uh, Chad brought up the word funk last night, and Coach about lost his mind. He didn't. He doesn't like that word funk. Um, but it's, it's part – oh, Chad's here. Oh, oh my gosh. Me. You're back from Kansas. That, that wasn't me. That was somebody else. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anything about a funk. I'll tell you what, I'll say it right now. There's a bit of a funk when it comes to shooting with this team. That George Bogle, uh, the WLWT George. Uh, be, baby, I'll say it. I'll take the heat because that, you, was, you, that I, we determined last night that was Brad Chendle from the uh, Topeka Times. <laughs> yeah, no, no relation. But hey, what? I don't ask the tough questions in the press conference. Right. Do you off balls. That's what everybody says. Yeah. Do you recall the? Do you recall the stat that I, I know I saw it somewhere today on on Twitter, Chad? But the stat that is other than Dan Skillings with the rest of the team in these away games is shooting from three, five it's of like five of forty-five, eleven, five of forty-five. That's dreadful. Oh, that's atrocious. And, and you've got a guy that like Lukosius who's supposed to be able to to shoot the three a little bit. Yeah, and, and he can shoot it at home. He can't yeah. shoot it on the road. I, I and I agree with with uh, Wes after the game last night when he said, um, you know, you, you don't want to trash your players when you're the coach, and and nor would you ever expect him to. But they had some open looks. They had some good looks at the bucket. And if you're going to win the game, you got to make those shots. And and I felt like Seamus uh, had some really good looks. Um, that that wide open you gotta make right. You gotta make the offense, and I know I banged on the offense a little bit. I I feel like Vic's got to get the ball down low more. I'm just I'm sorry. I just feel sure. like he does. They threw it to him twice with a point guard on him, and he never got a shot off. Well, you can't. That that can't happen. That can't I, happen. They threw it to him. He didn't. Well, he had two one inch from the rim that he missed. Right. He two turnovers with a point guard on him. Well, they're throwing it to him. You think it's not working because he's not scoring. Well, 
that, that, in my opinion, they don't have anyone else that can do it down there, though. Jamil had a nice. You can't. Jamil had a nice. Disease. Jamil had a nice post move and, yesterday. And Reynolds, you throw it down to him, and you got to make sure his footwork's okay, or he's going to travel. Well, he does have. A I think we saw down. another one of those last night. I, I had a great line sitting there at at, at the game. Aziz traveled before he missed the layup. And I said, well, that's one way you don't miss a layup is you travel before you shoot the layup. So yeah, then the ball over. You, did, you didn't miss the layup. Yeah, then it's just one of the 18 turnovers. Or right. They have, which, <laughs> oh, God, that killed him early in the game, too. That was – I mean, I think if I heard Billis say one more time, uh, these turnovers are killing Cincinnati. I'm like, yeah, they were killing them all right. Thanks, but, Jay. Uh, that, that's the frustrating part about this for all of us is that they show they're good enough to do this. They show they're good enough to, to hang with these teams, if not, you know, knock them off. Um, but they're not getting it done because of those mistakes like that. Well, this was another game. You, you mentioned uh, some of the things coming back that had been haunting them in some of their earlier games. This is another game where they gave up a career high to the leading scorer on the, uh, on the other team. As right. Johnny Furf Johnny Furphy from Australia, his parents were in town from down under. Yeah. And he, he put on quite a show for them as he finishes with 23 points, 11 rebounds, a double double. And that's frustrating, especially when you hold Hunter Dickinson, who's arguably their best player, 10 points, six rebounds. Yeah, they did a pretty good job on him, I would say, definitely. Um, as for the the Australian. Uh, the old man looked like he was straight out of the outback last night. Uh, my, my hair is starting to get like his was, but <laughs> and and then poor him. They had that high angle shot of him. You could see that big bald spot in the middle of all that long hair. <laughs> but um, but you know they came in. They saw their their young man have a big night, and and he did have a big night. What, what I didn't like what UC did is the flip side of that when he was on defense. And, you know, UC, when they were moving the ball around, Kansas was switching a lot. Wes talked about that after the game. When you get some of those matchups after the switches and a couple times, well, like the first time Skillings was in and, you know, Furphy ends up on him, he roasted him, roasted him. Is and that the dunk? He, hmm? Yeah. Was yeah. That? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I think he had it all over him. And I think UC should have taken a little more advantage of that too, because they were switching constantly. And there, and as Chad said, you know, you got a point guard on Vic down low because of all that switching. And they did not exploit that the way I, I think you got to do it. And that's, um, you know, it, I don't think it takes a whole lot of basketball smarts to recognize that, but they didn't seem to recognize that a whole lot. It was almost as if they were surprised by the matchups and didn't know what to do with them when they got them, right? When, yeah. they, when they got the, the, the ones that would have benefited the guy with the ball. Cincinnati was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to pass it. And I, I, I've got to believe the coaches were pounding that in on them too. And, and they've got to be – I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a confidence thing, a comfortability thing, but uh, you've got to take advantage of that when it happens. And when you play a team like that, that, that switches up like that, and and they were doing it nonstop. I mean, it was just all over the place. Um, when you get that matchup like that, you got to go. You just got to go. And and more often than not, if you don't get the bucket, you're drawing a foul. 
yeah, it's uh it's it's quite a quite a situation right now that they're in where they they've found themselves not just in these games but unable to do what it takes to actually to win these games. Uh, it's it's I don't know, it's it's weird. It's almost like the the Marvin Lewis era where he was unable to get over the hump of winning a, a playoff game, right? Where right. he was able to get to the game but he was never able to close out these games. Yeah, and they look so good at times, too. That's all. I mean, they really do. They look like a team, and I do feel like uh, they've gotten better as the season has progressed. Um, You know, you you think about, you know, once they got uh, Bandago and Reynolds on board, some things started going their way a little bit. Then they they missed CJ last night. Um, Sure. They missed him a lot, Um, you know, and and I don't know – I don't know when they're going to get him back. I guess they're hinting maybe a couple more weeks. Um, you, you hate to have to rely on one guy like that, but when, you, when, when you've got a shooter like that and your other shooters are struggling, um, that, that's just another option that would be at their disposal on a night where they're looking for something. And, you know, more often than not, one of those options is going to heat up a little bit. And, you know, they're down one on that, but, but still, I just I, I just feel like really, really some missed opportunities here when you start putting it together with with the Baylor game, the Texas game, the Oklahoma game, and now um, the Kansas game last night. It's it's tough to tough to let go of that and not think what could have been, and, and they would be in real good shape uh, if they had gotten one or two more of those wins as far as, you know, where they are in the net and all those rankings and, and what the committee looks like, it looks at at the end of the year. And so, um, you know, you got to win some of these if you expect to get in. I agree. It's, it's becoming extremely frustrating because it, it feels like every game, there's something different to point out that they're doing well, that they didn't do the previous game, but it's, it's these other two things start to rear their head now. Yeah, and as the, the comment says, they need a dude. Give me the ball and I'll go score. And I feel like the the, the two guys with the attitude like that are Day Day and, and Jizzle. And, you know, they're probably not your best shooters on the team. And we know what the struggles have been finishing the layups. But um, <laughs> they, they do have a little bit of that attitude. And they'll attack, you know, anyone at any time. I, I, I think they're only going to get better but they're just not there yet. Yeah, I think Dan's got a little of that in him as well. And unfortunately, it's it's falling right now on CMOS, and he's he's cold. He's not the guy that you want shooting right now. Yeah, and I, I you know, I saw him play some games at Butler where he was <laughs> he was phenomenal. And I had one game that sticks out was, you know, the game he torched Xavier. And, you know, when he gets it going, but he just couldn't get it going. And, and Chad pointed out it's been a, a road issue with him. But you got to find a way to get past that. And uh, we'll see if they can kick it in gear now. You know, they got a Central Florida team coming in that is, seems to be Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, you know, they right. beat Kansas. Uh, I think they beat Texas, right? Uh, they were beating West Virginia, which is no great shakes, but they were taking care of business at home tonight against the Mountaineers. So um, I expect yeah, they all game Saturday. They they beat West Virginia by 13, but uh, we've also seen them against Houston 
Oh yeah, have an, an atrocious offense. Right. Oh, they're I, I they are kind of Jekyll and Hyde right now. They really are, and um, I don't know who's going to show up at Fifth Third Arena. I, I, which which one was yeah? I guess uh, I guess I want Mister Hyde. He was the ugly one, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, you want you want you want Houston UCF, not not yeah. Kansas UCF. Exactly. But you know, back to the, the, you talked about Skillings and being that guy. He did that in the first half when he entered that game for UC. Um, he did. You know, you can't expect him to carry that huge load the entire game, but um, I, I wish he would have. Um, I wish he would have asserted himself in that second half like he did the first and, and kept it going. But overall, you know, that kid had a good game last night, and he's shown those flashes. You got to get that consistency out of him because, you know, the game before he didn't play so well. Yeah, it's we. I mean, we've joked about you know Stetson Dan versus Dayton Dan. Uh, well, yeah. Dayton Dan, uh, uh, Stetson Dan, I think evolved into Baylor Dan, and and Baylor Dan, we we saw some evolution into Kansas Dan, and Kansas Dan was not able to unfortunately wasn't able to finish. Um, right, he, he got kind of stuck loading somewhere in between, um, just stuck on on a loading screen there but whatever they got to do to get Vic going down low and and whatever's going on there they you know maybe they got to do what Bobby Knight said he did to that Reed kid that time about 30 years ago when someone asked what they did at halftime to get him going in the second half and he mentioned something about a hot poker going somewhere and hot water going down the throat oh yeah 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 Bobby Knight did go there um but they, they got to figure out a way to get him mean down there and aggressive and, and wanting the ball down there and wanting to put it in because the dude's got a nice touchdown. Yeah, he took uh, 14 shots, was 6 of 14 in this one, uh, as opposed to three shots in the previous game where he was over. Uh So it's – I don't know. I, I, I appreciate his aggressiveness in this one as opposed to uh, on Saturday against Oklahoma. Yeah, just unfortunately not quite enough to to get the job uh, done. Dan didn't do much in that one. Um, so, look, like I said, they've gotten better over the last month. Um, yeah, got to get over this hump, and 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 I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I kind of feel like some of it is. Um, they, they've got to get it going, but I also um, and a buddy of mine today talked about this. Maybe maybe uh, a little more of Vic down low and and staying with that as opposed to having, you know, Aziz down there doing whatever he's doing. Um, that I rebounds better spent with, with, with Vic down there. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, Aziz had 11 rebounds, six points. Um, Vic had eight points or I'm sorry, eight rebounds, seven points. I mean, Cincinnati, as far as rebounding goes, they out rebounded Kansas. And I think this is, probably the only reason they were still in the game. They out-rebounded them by 11 at 40 to 29. Did a really good job on the boards. Um, and we're happy with that, given what happened in that Oklahoma game. Uh, but Oklahoma does that to you. Uh, the, the UC is not the first team. You know, it's not like they killed them on the boards, but I'm not used to seeing UC get beat on the boards. And when they do, it just it really feels bad. When you're getting 16 offensive rebounds, though, you've got to be getting, you've got to be scoring on those. Yep. 
those are supposed to be golden opportunities. And, you know, I think they won the second half or the second chance points, but not by enough. I mean, not given what the margin was for the number of rebounds they had off the offensive glass. It should have been more than uh, it should have been more than what it was. I agree. Um, I know you mentioned Day Day and Jizzle. I, I thought they both had. I know I've been critical at times this season of Day Day. It seems Day Day's kind of turned a corner in these last couple of games. Um, I, I still think it's okay. I know that Chad disagrees with this take. I think it's okay to start a hot hand, especially in college, as opposed to the pros. Um, I think that when Jizzle was was hot earlier this season, if you had started him, I don't think it would have wrecked Day Day's confidence. That all said. Um, they have, they're both coming on to where I think they're both starting to find their roles. And I think that's nothing but a good thing for the team. And I don't know. I almost, I, it, it almost sucks that data was in foul trouble yesterday. I know there was a couple different times where I was looking for since I had to score and I'm like, why isn't data on the court? And that's, that's maybe the first time this season that where I've actually felt like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he looked pretty darn good last night. In my, in my opinion, a lot of people, or some people or someone I was with last night had a different opinion on that. But I, I, I'm i telling you, he's explosive. Uh, he made some shots. Uh, uh, I wish he was a little better from three. We know Agreed. that's an issue all year. But still, um, he and, and Jizzle both have a pretty good pull-up jumper to, from the intermediate range that's, you know, tough for anyone to guard. Uh, so, look, there's still hope. And, and there's another mention in the comments about CJ, which we talked about earlier. Um, and anytime you got a guy like that that can, you know, give you another option, you, you know, you would love to have you would love to have him. And if CMOS doesn't have it and CJ does, you give the minutes to the guy who's got it that night. And you know, there yeah, was I, thought, I know when when they started the second half too, they went with the original starting lineup. And I, I thought Skilling should have been out there, but I think he came in fairly quickly. But that kind of goes back to what you were saying with the hot hand that's starting them. Um, I, especially a team like this with so many options, I don't think you have to have the same starting five every game. I know sometimes it helps for guys to have roles and all that. Well, you can still have kind of the same role. It doesn't matter. And, and, and as uh, one of the coaches always said, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter who starts the game, it's who finishes, and, and that's true too. But I think whoever the guys you lean on in crunch time are the guys you should probably lean on for the majority of the game. Yeah, no, uh, Phyllis here, her husband Bob went on the on the trip with Chad to Kansas. But uh, <laughs> um, the, the changes I, I think that if, if CJ was available is – Dan Skillings probably isn't the only person who makes a three-pointer on this team outside of the 11 missed threes by your starters and uh, an additional one missed three by Jizzle. Um, but when a team finishes three of 18, I, I would think that C.J. Frederick makes that three-point shot, maybe not something that the defense is just willing to give you all night. Yeah, uh, no, in, in fact, I noticed this early in the season with him. I mean, it, just his threat and everything kind of changes things. And, and you know, coaches talk about spacing and this and that. But he, he helps that a lot sure. when he's out there. That's a guy you have to account for 
because the three can kill you and he can make the three and he can make it at a high level when he's on. And, and we've seen it in a couple games this year. And uh, what a shame that he got hurt again. I feel really, really bad for him because uh, that's haunted him through his entire career. And I just, I hope he gets healthy and can stay healthy and maybe enjoy a nice run here uh, once he gets back. But, but we'll see because I, I just, I feel really bad for kids who can play at that level, but for whatever reason, their body's just not letting them. And, and injuries are a huge part. Um, staying healthy is the biggest part of anybody's career. I mean, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't stay healthy, um, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. You, you can't go out there and play. And uh, I, I really hope he's able to get back and get back in the groove with this team because not, not just for him, uh, the team could use him, and they could have used him last night, no doubt. Well, as you alluded to earlier, uh, UCF comes to town on Saturday. Tip-off is at 7 p.m. How important is this game for Cincinnati to win with UCF coming to town on Saturday? That's very important. It's a home game. It's a team I gotta believe they're gonna be, uh, you know, they're they're gonna be favored in. Um, you gotta win these games at home, and they've already lost. Uh, to Oklahoma and Texas at home and, and winning home games is so big in a conference like this. You've got to protect the home floor as best you can. Um, if you want to have a pretty good record in the conference at the end of the year and get the attention of the committee. So, um, you know, does it kill the season? No, they could still go on a really good run in February, but uh, you, you've got to be UCF at home. And, and I know, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, that's a team that can jump up and get you, as Kansas found out. So uh, UC's got to be ready. They've got to come out. They've got to put this behind them. And and the only good thing about playing on Monday night after you played on a Saturday is now you got an extra day before you go into that game on Saturday. And hopefully UC puts that to good use because they, they really need to win this game. Well, February doesn't get much easier. You have UCF on Saturday. You have West Virginia following that up. And then in February, you have at Texas Tech, you are hosting Houston. You actually have Houston twice in February. Wow. Uh, but you're hosting Houston. You are hosting Iowa State, who's also currently ranked. Um, and I believe Texas Tech is 20. So you have three more ranked games yeah, potentially possible. in a row. Three three more in a row after having the six in a row. Um, and then at UCF, hosting Oklahoma State. Uh, at TCU, who may or may not be ranked at that point, and then at Houston uh, to finish up February. So stretch. February is still also tough. There, there is no easy stretch. You, you might have no, your easiest. I mean, the easiest stretch on there is the next two games, in my opinion. Right. And one right. of those is on the road. Um, right. But that's that's this conference. I'll tell you what. I'll take that over what you know they've been through the last ten years. Agreed. You know, every single year, it's so much more fun. It gives you so many more opportunities for a quality win. So it's tough, but that's what you want to do. Those are the games you want to play, and it's going to make you better. And, and hopefully this stretch they're coming out of, of six games where they played okay. I mean, yeah, I beat them up on the turnovers and the shooting and stuff, but they were in those games, and, and hopefully that made them better. And They're going to be ready for this stretch because, yeah, it, it, does, it doesn't get any easier as you go along in this season. Yeah, time will tell. And obviously we're, we're all thoroughly enjoying the ride. Uh, 
some of us more than others as you were able to make the game last night, Chad. It was fun. That place is awesome. Like, oh, I wish I could have awesome. gone. God, it, it was, yeah, I could. It's so old and like, and I know a couple, like a couple of the people that were there, like this place is a dump. No, it's historical. It's a, a shrine to college basketball. It is an awesome place to watch a game. And that place got loud. I mean, there was one point towards the end of the game I was talking to Keegan, and we couldn't hear each other, and he was sitting right next to me. Yeah, it, it looked very on television, too. I mean, that, um, it looked like a tremendous atmosphere. And and look, uh, you know, there are parts of Fenway Park that you would look at and say it's a dump, but it's a shrine, the same with Wrigley. Here's my thing. These are the same people that love Nippert Stadium. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you what. Uh, we all love Nipper. Um, a game Just there. Is you get to go to one of the like one of the birthplaces of the sport of basketball and watch oh, a game. Look, uh, yeah, you look at the history in that building and and, and that program, and uh, and then you look at Bill Self's record there. What what he's lost seventeen games, right? His entire twenty-one years. Uh, yeah, he's lost seventeen games at Allen Fieldhouse. I said this to Lance last night. Uh, I did a hit on WLW. I've never done even the things I do incredibly well. I've never done any of those things at a 94% success rate. No. None of us have. No. There's nothing in my life that I've successfully done 94% of the time. I've done things wrong 94% of the time, but yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. right. Right. Yeah. No doubt about it. He's and, also and, he also coming off a loss in 21 yeah. years has lost 16 times. He's only so, lost in 21 years. He's only lost back to back games 16 times. Yeah, the deck was stacked, no doubt about it. When you look at it that way, um, but man, what an opportunity it was, and and it, it'll make him better. I hope. I just hope they're ready for the rest of this season and all this experience they've gotten in this six game stretch. Uh, you know, it didn't kill them, so hopefully it makes them stronger. This league, Texas 75, Oklahoma 60 tonight in Norman. Yeah. And right now, Oklahoma State is beating the brakes off of TCU. Is that right? <laughs> Here comes the after landmine. Um, and, and I love it because it reminds us of that old Big East when UC joined that, and it's – Here's the difference, though, for me, George. That old Big East was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But St. John's stunk. Seton Hall was not good. USF was terrible. DePaul was terrible. Like, there were there were catch-your-breath. Yeah, there were layups. There were layups. In that, league. It, that doesn't exist here. Well, I was thinking maybe UCF might be sort of a layup earlier this year. <laughs> Uh, because they lost some games in non-conference, so you're like, okay, you can catch your breath against that. Then they go beat uh, Kansas and Texas. It's like, no, you can't. You can't. West rest. Virginia looks terrible. They beat Kansas. Oklahoma yeah, State hasn't won a game. They're spanked. It's twenty-six to twelve or twenty. It's they're up 14, 15 points in the like. There's ten minutes left in the first half. 
I wonder how many teams looked at Cincinnati the same way, though, where they lost against any good opponent they played and they're out of conference. And going into conference play, they I think they've probably surprised the hell out of some teams. I would say so. Yeah. I would say so. And I, I would say, uh, you know, you can start right with Baylor down there in that game. For sure. You know, they gave oh, them everything they could handle and could have gotten out of there with a win. 29 to 14, Oklahoma State up on Texas or TCU with 7.43 left in the first half. I was kind of hoping TCU would only lose one game the rest of the way. And that's when UC went down there because they could use those quality wins, you know? I mean, you know, they looked awesome. Right. And now they're, they're crumbled. They beat Houston, they beat Oklahoma. Like they, they had one of the best week, they had the best week in the country. And I expect Jamie Dixon will get them back on track. They got smoked Saturday. Yep. I think, I mean, teams go through this stuff. Teams go through these laws where no one can explain it. I don't know why it happens. And then it's like somebody snaps their fingers and they're back on again and, and dangerous as ever. I, I do have a question. Is Rob Riggle a big enough star to be the guy that does the hype video to start the like the five, under four timeout at the end of the game for Kansas? Um, not to me. Rob Riggle. Is that bad? They went nuts. They put Rob Riggle on the screen. He, Everybody lost their mind. Is he the actor guy they showed on ESPN? Is that yeah. the same? Yes. Um, so I'm not an actor guy. I can't tell you who, I mean, since the days of John Wayne and some of those people, anything past the mid eighties, I don't know any of these people. I don't, you can put actors or actresses. I mean, I might know Tom Cruise and that guy, DiCaprio, those guys, but that's about anyone that's recent. I have no clue. According to IMDb, he is best known for The Hangover, 21 Jump Street, Dumb and Dumber-er. Um, he, he was in uh, Step Brothers. Um, just a lot of the those comedies I that came out. Hangover. But like, well, he's, your, he's your main guy? I saw The Hangover. I, 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 what character was he in that? Do you know? I Was he the dentist? No, I don't know. He he was certainly not one of the main characters. He, I don't okay. I don't recall his oh, role in The Hangover. Phyllis, you the gone, George. Phyllis, the only reason Bob got to go is because George <laughs> couldn't. Uh, oh, Maybe that's why she wishes George went. <laughs> yeah, I had an unfortunate situation where I couldn't go and shouldn't have gone, but. Uh, you know, maybe the next time. How long was that drive? 12 hours? Nine. Okay. I just made it last spring and I couldn't remember. But I was with Slaughter, so we were stopping every 20 miles to eat. So that added, <laughs> that added well, time we, to the trip. It was nine with stops. Um, uh, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Good. Good, I it was foggy. I've never seen it was foggy from Kansas City to Cincinnati. Well, I was thinking about you guys this morning when I saw that radar, and I'm like, that thing looks like almost rain all the way from Kansas City 
or certainly as you got, you know, closer to this side of Missouri, all the way home. That that's brutal driving in that. It wasn't. Uh, were you driving? Uh, you drove I drove the first shift, and then Bob took a shift, and then I drove the rest of the way. Okay, nice. Well, you made you would you. I I understand you had more important things to take care of. You yeah. would have had a blast. We had a great time. Oh, I know. Now, did that bottle come back empty you took, or is there some? There's left? like this much left. Oh, okay. We did open it last night and enjoyed it. Uh, but then we got to bed at 3 a.m. because <laughs> we didn't get back until after midnight and then had to uh, do, do a live show and then oh. wanted to enjoy each other's company and hang out for a little bit. And then we looked, and it was like 3 a.m. It was like, oh. Time to hit. Probably. I should try to sleep. I would have tried to finish that bottle for you, though. We were on the road by nine. Oh, yeah. After being up till three, and if you're drinking that, uh, yeah, that can be rough. That can be rough. But you did. What impressed you most about that arena? Was it just the atmosphere and the crowd, or was there? Yeah, like the thing was like everything big, was right. It's over sixteen thousand. Yeah. Everything was – you can tell they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Like, they knew every bit. They knew every gag. They knew everything that went up on the scoreboard. <laughs> they knew when they did their chants, when they did that. Like, it was it was a well-oiled machine. Um, some of the video stuff looked like they had been doing it since the 90s. Yeah. Like. Like, it just was one of those things where, like, you know, the students, the student section, it looked like, you know, you see football games, the students are there an hour and a half before the game, and it's full. Student section was full an hour and a half before the game. I think Keegan joked that um, Rayvon comes out and does a workout, like, before the team comes out. Like, as soon as they arrive, Rayvon and, and Coach Morgan do a workout, and it was the most people that had ever seen Ray uh, at in college. Because here was Ray working out, and here's a 1,000 Kansas students uh, sitting, like, on the other side of the basket. That's, it just – they had this hall of champions that, like yeah, – The history is unbelievable with that. It was and awesome. It, it, UC hasn't played them more over the years, given yeah. – the two programs, where they've been, what they've done, where they're located. Um, you know, it's a shame that uh, they haven't really crossed paths, I don't believe, in conferences until now. I have good news for you, George. Yes. So do you remember Joe Dooley? Yes. The head coach for East Carolina. Yes. Um, so I've gotten to know him over the years uh, out at AAU events. Um, Antoine Jackson, who was with Mick for a long time, right? coached at ECU after he left Cincinnati. So whenever I'd see Antoine, he would be with Joe Dooley. So I got to know Joe Dooley pretty well. I didn't realize he was back in Kansas for his second stint as an assistant. How about that? So I'm standing there, and here <laughs> comes Joe. I'm like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, I didn't even realize you were back. Good to see you. Like, we talked for a minute. And I mentioned that, you know, we had stayed in Kansas City um, coming out for the trip. And he said, hey, call me. 
I got a buddy that has an awesome Airbnb in Lawrence. Oh, Call me wow. next time, and we'll we'll set it up so you can come out. And so we might be able to do this next year. I like it. So uh, another quick question. I don't want to get too far off track here. But when you look at the game last night, like how good how how good is Kansas? Because they don't get a lot of bench help. So, so they might they have do? they might have the best like top four in the country, but they don't have anything behind it. Right. That that's what worries me about them as you look long term. Not that I'd stay up worried about the Jayhawks. I got enough to worry about. But if you talk about a deep run. They, they're going to need some help, I think. Hold on a second, George. I, give me – I want to read you something. Okay. This is starting December 3rd, okay? Home against Houston. Road Kansas State. Home Baylor. Road Texas Tech. Road Oklahoma. Home Texas, home BYU, road Baylor, home Kansas State, road Houston. That's February to the end of the season for Kansas. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. What? Yeah. Where's the gimme? Help, man. Where's the gimme? There isn't. They're going to need some bench help. That's like a month and a half of top. 30 teams. Yeah, that's crazy. What's what's that like? <laughs> we got six games and look how we reacted to it. I know. I know, but now it's like it's like a two-game break, and, and I don't even consider it a break. And then Aaron, that's a 10-game stretch. That yeah, they have. One, one of these teams is the number seven team in the country, and the other isn't. So They're good probably luck. Probably not gonna be at the end of the season with those 10 show games. show us that you were supposed to be in the top 10. Yeah. Well, now, yeah, they're going to have that chance. That's insane. Bill Self's got to wonder who he uh, PO'd at the league office on that one. That So we were getting ready to leave, and I was took, taking a leak before we left because we had a long, like, 40-minute drive back home, and they had the schedule on the wall, and I'm just standing there looking at it going, <laughs> oh, God. Oh God! And at your age, you would have been at that urinal long enough to see next year's schedule too. What's that look? Like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. They put <clears throat> number four, number fifteen, number twenty, number eleven, number twenty-one, number fifteen, and number four uh, over that ten-game stretch. It'll all change before it gets to it. Yes, Aaron. That's how it works. I'm well. Oh aware. yeah, it will. But that's still. That's way more brutal than any stretch you're going to get in, in, in really a conference tournament and an NCAA tournament. You're not going to run through a stretch like that. I mean, at least in the first couple rounds, you know, you're not going to be playing people that are that are ranked that high if you're a Kansas and, and have a decent seed. So that's going to be rougher than anything they've probably faced in a long time. Kansas State and Texas are the only unranked teams they play in that stretch, and they're both quality. Right Yep. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that's their problem and not UC's, but UC's task is daunting enough. Yeah. 
All right. I'll let you guys finish up. But I, I, it, it, was, it was a great time. I'm glad you got back safe and had fun, too. Have you been to Joe's Barbecue? Uh, I don't think so. I think I was at another one, like right on the edge of downtown Kansas City. Is that where, where's Joe's? Joe's is in mid to like midtown. Because I went to a place that, I mean, I'm telling you, it was a throwback. It was like in the field. Oh, this is a throwback. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same place. God, burnt-ins were incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It was so good. I had these burnt-ins that they had that were so good. That's what I just said. That might be it. That might be it. Maybe I was there. I don't know. I can't remember the name he's, of this place. Chad, you'll have to excuse him. He's getting, he's getting old. It's fine. I just said that. It said the burnt ends were amazing, and you were like, I had these burnt ends. Oh, there we got it. I was off of my own little world trying to figure out if I'd been to Joe's. Maybe I had been. Uh, Chad, before we get on to this next topic as we switch gears here, is it Tyson? Is it Vite? Vite? Vite. Vite, I think. That's that's the way I heard it pronounced. Tyson Vite. All right. Just wanted to know before you, before you left. I thought maybe you'd have some intel on how to how to pronounce this guy's name. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm gathering intel currently on him and and everything as we speak. I hopefully we'll have a little bit more uh, in terms of what exactly he's going to coach, what the situation is going to look like a little more in detail uh, tomorrow for the BBP, BCJ or the BCJ. I don't. I'm so confused. I got you. I got you. My brain is fried right now. I'm not the only one that's old. And not not just because there, there are a lot of places along the highway to stop in Missouri and Illinois. Oh, my gosh. That's a brutal drive. It's brutal. So as as I kind of change subjects to, uh, Tyson Vite is your new defensive coordinator. Of course, Brian Brown left last week to head back to his alma mater, Ole Miss, and that left that position vacant. It is filled as of today. Uh, Tyson Veit was at Iowa State since 2016. He is a guy with Ohio roots. He's from Logan, Ohio, which is actually just north of Athens, um, where my significant other is actually from. Uh, wow. my, my lady my lady friend graduated from the same high school. Um, she ought to be able to get some intel then. I asked her. She said that he graduated long enough ago that it was it was before her time. Um, I he graduated. It. I think he graduated in ninety two. Um, so quite. So he's old to you, but a pop to me. Uh, I mean, he's got a decade on on both she and I. So, uh, but he is a linebackers coach at Iowa State. Uh, he was ranked really highly uh, enough to be a finalist for the Broyles Award. Um, and Football Scoop had him as the linebacker coach of the year in 2017. Um, he had three different times, all three starting linebackers earned all Big 12 honors. I believe he had two All-Americans in his stint there. Uh, but quite a, quite a track record for a guy in the – Big 12 just as a as a simple linebackers coach. Yeah, if you look at the resume, I, I like it. I like the fact that even though it wasn't, you know, at the Division One level, if I believe, if I remember correctly, but he's been a defensive coordinator. He's also got some head coaching experience. Correct. And it's done a little bit of everything and then settled into this role uh, with, with Coach Campbell 
<clears throat> followed him out to Iowa State. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, seems to have done a great job there. Yeah, as a head coach, he was actually uh, <laughs> the assistant head coach at Iowa State as well. Um, Which tells me, you know, they bump him up with the title for more money because they didn't want him going anywhere, and he probably had some other opportunities. So it looks like his track record is very solid as a coach. Having Ohio roots is a plus around here, in my opinion. You know, he probably has a pretty good handle on the head coach. Uh, the recruiting landscape in Ohio, even though, you know, I've read some stuff good and bad about the recruiting aspect of it, but um, I like the hire. The head coach, uh, he was head coach at Bluffton from 2008 to 2013. Um, of course, that's not D1, but it's still head coaching experience. Um, and then he was also DC at uh, St. Vincent mm -hmm. from 2006 to 2007 and Muskingum from 2000 to 2003. And there's so, been some really, really successful college coaches that come out of that kind of a pedigree, and, and especially around here in this area. And, you know, there, there's a lot of them you can point to. There's a ton of them. And, and I mean, I could start naming them, but, you you know, you, you do not diminish, you know, the, the head coach of the Eagles came through the Mount Vernon pipeline and things like that. Um, you know, Brian Kelly was at Grand Valley State as a head coach. And and I, I just think no matter what your role is at Division One, if you're somewhere else at a D3 or D2 and get some head coaching experience, I, I think it's invaluable. And so uh, I, I think his career path, um, to me, suggests that he's more than ready for it and, and can have some success in this role. I don't know the guy. Um, I'd like to talk to some people who have worked with him, but uh, obviously Iowa State, Matt Campbell thought a lot of this guy and his track record out there looks pretty darn good. And I think he was going to be in line, you know, if, if the defensive coordinator out there moved on or, or retired. Uh, he was the heir apparent to take over as defensive coordinator there. And you talk about some smash mouth, down and dirty, um, just rugged defense Iowa State's had it over the years. Yeah, I know there was something mentioned in the way of him being involved in recruiting. Um, yeah, he was a recruiting coordinator, and I, I don't know if he was there. He may have been at Toledo. I, I can't remember now. I was looking at his record earlier, his his, his resume. Um, but uh, I, there, there were no – and I, you know – I've seen some other stuff on him online, um, interviews with him, things like that, where, uh, um, you know, he, he, he sounds and looks the part. We'll see if he's a fit here. Um, but, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, out of all the speculation and everything, I, I never heard the name Tyson Bite until today when, when, you know, word leaked out that he was going to be the guy. Well, and to kind of piggyback on that, I, I think it's – kind of shows you just how deep this search went in the fact that coach got out of his Appalachian state tree and yep. looked elsewhere. And I, I think that the, the fact that he 
has been a part of the Big 12 since even before Cincinnati was part of the Big 12. I think that's nothing but a good thing because he has clearly years of familiarity with the rest of the Big 12 that this staff just doesn't have. And well, I, and it makes me feel good about Satterfield. Look, that season sucked. Everyone was ready to hang in right. for, you know, Shank Pavilion. But um, at the end of the year, he was not afraid to do some things. And if that meant change the entire defense when it comes to personnel, he changed a lot of that defense when it came to personnel. Did he want his coordinator to leave? No, but when he had to replace that guy, uh, he didn't just go to some standard off-the-shelf hire. Uh, it sounds like and looks like he did his due diligence here and looked for the guy he thought was the best hire to make this team better. And it seems to me like uh, Scott Satterfield has not been afraid to to make some different decisions and, and maybe a little bit outside the box to try to turn this thing around quicker because, uh, you know, he knew as well as anyone, it was a disaster last year. And so I like the fact that he's making what I consider some aggressive moves to uh, change that. Uh, real quick, just want to thank Phyllis for the nine ninety nine hey. donation. We, we, we do appreciate it, Phyllis. Uh, she but says it's the German pronunciation bite, if it's the German pronunciation, but it is bite. So he must, uh, have some good old Ohio German in him somewhere. There you go. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, this may be, honestly, the most important hire of Scott Satterfield's tenure at Cincinnati. This this hire could, honestly, make or break his his time here in Cincinnati. If well, this when is you the wrong... wonder how bad that defense was last year, that's got to get fixed. Well, if it's the wrong guy, I mean, right. Scott Scott's calling the offense. And right. this is he, – he's not calling the defense. This is the, the guy he has to lean into. This is the guy who is is carrying the other side of the ball for him as if he's going to get extended here or not. Everything kind of kind of is important as far as this defensive hire goes. So I'm, I'm very curious to see if this means that anybody else on the defense is going to uh, – as far as coaches go, if, if there's going to be any more changes as he – may want to bring in a guy or two of his own. Um, so we'll see how that shakes. And uh, I don't know. Time yeah, will tell there, but. And I, and I know, you know, we're, it's strange to say, but, you know, what are we, a month and a half from spring ball getting ready to yeah. crank up? Um, and, and people get antsy about that. But I think there's still time to shake all that out. I mean, it really is. You know, they'll start installing that stuff in the spring and seeing who they like, who they don't. But, you know, if he does want to make a change or two, I, I still think there's time you can do it. He is bringing the 335, though, as we understand. And I believe it's not going to be quite the same as what Brian Brown had. As I, from what I've been reading, the linebacker, one of the linebackers and, and one of the, the joker position is going to be a little bit different uh, under this his system compared to Brian Brown. So we'll, we'll see. And I'm sure we'll get plenty more information as the new DC settles into his new role here. And we, we kind of get to hear from the, the horse's mouth, if you will. Yeah. Hopefully we hear from him soon. Be uh, not the only coordinator here as the Bearcats are not the only team that we cover here on this show, but uh, not the only coordinator who, who changed positions as Brian Callahan is no longer the offensive coordinator 
for the Cincinnati Bengals. He moves on and is now the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. For a guy who, honestly, I, I don't know what he did here. I, I was surprised that his name was even being floated around and, and ballyhooed about as it was. I I will be completely honest. I have followed the Bengals less since I started covering the, the Bearcats, but when your head coach is making the large majority of your decisions and you're a guy who's working out of the booth as opposed to being down on the field, it's it's a, a strange role that Brian Callahan played in, in this Bengals offense. Yeah, they put the, you know, um, I, and I'm sure in, in concert with Zach Taylor, put the game plans together and, and how they were going to attack the defenses coming in. But yeah, Zach called the plays. Um, but when you're working, you know, that like that NFL coaching community is kind of tight knit. And, and I kind of, I, I kind of think of it like I did when I, when I was doing what I did um, in television and in broadcasting and stuff, if you know, pretty, you can find out everything you need to know about a guy before you hire him. You may have never heard of this guy before. You may have never talked to this guy before, but you know, people who have that you trust. And I feel like this is one of those deals where inside that NFL coaching bubble, uh, Brian Callahan has a lot of respect because it wasn't just the Titans going after him this time around. Right. Um, I, I think he, you know, he kind of, you know, he was in Denver and then he, you know, Carolina. Yes. Yeah. He, he had some success with some quarterbacks that he worked with. Um, you know, now they're going to expect him to maybe work a little mag magic with Will Levis and see if that works. Uh, try to find out if he's the guy, if he's not, you got to go get another one. But, but, you know, people know in the NFL among the coaches who operates in what way, how they operate, and, and if that's, you know, a guy who more than likely is for you. Doesn't guarantee success, but it does give you more of a window than, than what it looks like to us. They know more about Callahan before they're signing him than, than anybody outside the NFL knows. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I really thought when, when you looked at the last three years and, and the coordinator's names being thrown around, I, I thought Anna Rumo would get a job as a head coach before Callahan would. But then you look at this year the Bengals had and the big plays given up by the defense, and it's kind of a blessing for the Bengals in disguise that they're not losing both of them, you know, because that happened to Marvin, I believe, once, and, and, and that's asking for trouble. And you don't want to, and, and I would love for Lou to get a head coaching job somewhere. I, I, I really think a lot of that guy, um, but it, it's, uh, you know, it's Brian's turn. It's his time. The Bengals have had a lot of stability since Zach came in on that coaching staff. It was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, looks like it's happening now. And, and now it's where do the Bengals turn to, you know, do they have somebody in house? They trust my guess is they probably do. And, and that may be what they end up doing, but who knows? You know, Zach may have a name that he knows at another organization. And and these guys, you know, this Zach's not getting blindsided by this. He's probably, you know, had guys in mind for the past couple of years. If Brian moves on, you know, who do I have on my short list that could come in here and I could trust to run this offense and, and you know, help 
myself and help Joe Burrow keep things rolling along on the offensive side of the ball. So it's very interesting, you know, uh, good for Brian Callahan. Uh, I guess things went sideways with Mike Vrabel down there with the ownership group and all that because uh, I saw somewhere today where um, the, the some people around the Titans were like, the monarchy's over now. So I guess that, that they were referring to Mike Vrabel as, uh, as trying to run the thing like a king. Um, and I guess, you know, he wore out his welcome a little bit because I still think he's a darn good coach. Um, so it's interesting and, and good for Callahan. And what this does to the Bengals, I don't know. You still have Zach. You still have Joe Burrow. And 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 a lot of times Joe's the final say on some of those plays. And, and you know, he has the trust and, and the, uh, the ability to change these plays. So um, I'm sure there will be some changes. And But the bigger changes is what's going to happen with the player personnel, what receivers are going to be back. Um, and and what other changes we may see in the off off season there, but um, good for Brian Callahan. But you're right, his role here kind of a bit of a mystery when you're an offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. And you look at uh, Eric Bieniemy was in the same situation for years out in Kansas. City. Sure, absolutely. And people, you know, thought he was the next big head coach to be hired, and that kind of held him back a little bit. I think people were a little gun shy about that that he worked for a guy like Andy Reid, who was so hands-on with that offense, and he still hasn't gotten that shot. So it's going to be interesting to see, but, uh, you know, Callahan was a great guy here. Uh, I can do nothing but root for him and, and, you know, wish him the best taking over Tennessee. I mean, it's he's got the pedigree uh, when it comes to his background and what his dad did, and, and you know, he grew up to be a coach. And, and now's his time, and he's getting it, you know, at a pretty young age. So good for him. We'll see how it works out. But, uh, you know, you have success like the Bengals have had. You're lucky to hang on to the coordinators as long as you have. Yeah, you mentioned somebody being in-house. I know one of the names being pitched around by a lot of people is Dan Pitcher. Yeah. Not, not, not trying to use the, the same word. Play our words. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Um, but but he's he's one of the names that they are uh, kicking around, I guess, um, as he is the quarterbacks coach currently. Um, I believe the prior quarterbacks coach that ended up going to Cleveland. Um, I forget his name. Um, oh, he's, gosh, you're telling me now. Yeah. Uh, he the Alex Van Pelt was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I, I think he's also currently jobless. Um, if they were looking to bring a guy back as far as guys with uh, Cincinnati ties, because um, he was here, what, just two seasons ago, I believe? Correct. I think you're right. Yes. Um, so that honestly wouldn't – that's a name that I haven't seen anybody floating around yet, but I would not be shocked at all if he ended up uh, either – I don't know that Dan Pitcher brings him back in to be your quarterback's coach if – in any in any case. Um, yeah, but, I mean, honestly, that, that – if, if... – you know, they've, they've got an attractive spot for someone who's an up and coming. Sure. Yeah. When you, when you're working with that personnel, well, uh, you don't have to settle. They should be able to get the man they want. And if the man they want is in house, that's fine. I get it. And there, there's some comfort and continuity there, but you know, and then, and then there are guys though that may not want to work for somewhere where they don't call the plays. That's where I offer you one Joe Brady. 
Joe Brady, if you remember, was the offensive yeah. coordinator for the LSU Tigers, the right. national champion LSU Tigers, while Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were there. And I yeah. think that would be that that's gotta be the most intriguing hire to all Bengals fans, right? Right. But I would think if if, if it's gonna be him, he's gonna want to call the plays. And I think honestly, that solves a ton of problems and here I think, in Cincinnati. Well, I, I think if I'm Zach Taylor, I'm okay with that. There's no better way to step away from this. Isn't you honestly? This is probably the cleanest way for him to walk away from calling the plays is to say, you know what? I'm gonna give the plays. I'm gonna give them. Not not. This isn't me stepping away because I'm not good at them. But I'm gonna give them to the guy who probably knows these guys even better than I do. Right. Right. Just saying. Will that happen? I don't know. But it's, it, it's an interesting thought. It really it's is. A pipe, it's a pipe dream, but I'm going to keep dreaming. I'm going to keep funny. dreaming, I George. That earlier today, too. I'm like, you know, I wonder if Joe Brady, well, he would want to call the plays. I don't know if that's a fit here or not. But then if I'm Zach, I'm kind of okay with that because and Zach probably likes doing it and all that. But I'll tell you what, um, you got enough to do as a head coach. Sure. <laughs> there's enough on your plate and uh i don't know it'll be interesting to see what they come up with but uh certainly best of luck to brian callahan because uh, uh I, I, I i look they've got a lot of good guys in that building and he was certainly one of them he he was good with the media and uh always uh cooperative and and straight up and so i i think you know i i can wish him nothing but the best Probably doesn't hurt that his dad was a head coach as well. So exactly. I mean, again, he's got that. <laughs> those guys, you know, they they know what it takes. They know what the toll is. They know what the commitment is, and he's all in. Uh, other NFL news: Travis Kelsey. Obviously, he moves on in the playoff game that he was at. Uh, Jason Kelsey might have actually stolen the spotlight from a man who did score two touchdowns in that playoff game. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was incredible. That was incredible. Uh, I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you knew Zach, Zach Caleros was also he was caught in a in a still, and he was actually in that booth as well. And Craig Carey, elder elder grad, former UC quarterback and defensive lineman who had a a huge interception uh, playing defense in his career, Craig. At one point, there's a shot of they show Taylor, and Craig is just casually like standing there, one foot from her, with his goofy big. He's got a, like a big teethy smile, with his big teethy smile, and I'm like, this guy, are you kidding me? <laughs> he had a shirt on, right? Yeah, Craig. The only person that did you see the the text that got released from uh, Jason's daughter to uh, Kylie? No, no, I don't. I did not. Mom, Mom dad's I can boobs see dad's boobs. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! I'll tell you that it, it's it's unbelievable that when I think it can't get any crazier with those those guys, it does. Him jumping in and out of the 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 the, the suite might be the most athletic thing I've seen anybody do all year. <laughs> it was yeah. Well, if you ask him, it was a lot easier than running that tush push play where the, the brotherly shove, where he was always on the bottom of the pile. Yeah, no man wins. 
He had a funny way of talking about that when every time they called it, you probably saw that, what he yelled yeah. in the huddle. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he liked I, – I, I know we talked about this a while back, and I didn't think he would like that play or appreciate that play, and I was glad to see he confirmed that. And he is quietly going to be riding off into the sunset. And when I say quietly, I mean the exact opposite of that. Yep, exactly. There ain't nothing quiet, but what a treasure. What an absolute treasure he is. He is that, and we have him at least for one more week in the playoffs as uh, we'll, we'll see what antics he has up his sleeve. I, I can't imagine that he will not be in attendance at the rest of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Well, I mean, if you're a conspiracy theorist like myself, you saw that the NFL has a referee crew going in that has given the uh, away team the – Benefit of the doubt 60% of the time this, uh, I don't know if it's, I, I believe it's this season. Um, so it's odd that they went with that as opposed to a crew like the rest of the crews that have gone roughly about 50, 50. So we'll see. They, they at least have the, the referee uh, percentages in their favor this time around. Uh, but the Baltimore has been ridiculous. That said, yeah, I, I got to go with the Ravens. They, they're just on fire and they're just, um, not beating people, but pounding people. Um, I, I got to go with the Ravens. The other game, I, I bet a little bit on the Lions to win it all just because I like kind of the momentum they had going. And yeah. it, was, it was a fairly nice number when it comes to odds. Do I really think they can do it in San Francisco? Uh, with that head coach, I'm not putting anything past them. And with, with the ability with those two running backs – um, and, and Debo Samuel, I don't know if he's going to play. So let me just indulge myself and say the Lions will win that. I hope so as well. Uh, but I believe that as things currently stand, Kansas City is the only team left with any of your Cincinnati Bearcats on the roster. So uh, there is something. Yeah, to that's, that's something I would like to root for, to be honest. But um, I, I just Baltimore has been playing so well. I get it. I, mean, I really thought the Texans were playing well and would have a chance to hang in that game. Holy God. As soon as I thought, wow, Houston might hang in this battle, we saw it. Well, one last thing that I want to bring up before we get out of here. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, and I wanted to bring it back up here. I'm, I'm almost sad that I brought it up before we started the show. Uh, but Alex Blandino for your Cincinnati Reds oh, yeah. is going, going to be starting the season in double a he is uh, attempting to revamp his career now as a knuckleballer uh, former first round pick Alex Blandino again 31 years old just completely disregarding the fact that he was an an infielder I, I think he they even tried to move him into the outfield at one point didn't really work out uh, but he he did he, he's pitched as a Cincinnati Red in some garbage time. Uh, yep. we've, seen the, we've seen the knuckleball down at Great American Ballpark, but he is going to be starting the season in double-A as a knuckleballer. He, he <laughs> might be impressing somebody with that knuckleball, but they're doing this and giving him a clear shot at, at seeing what happens. So th that will be interesting. And uh, – you know what? Why not? I mean, I don't know if there's any knuckleballers left currently in the major leagues, and they've been around a long time. and Not many have been very successful, but the ones who have pitched forever. Like you it's don't, a dying breed. 
Yeah, you don't worry about blowing out a rotator cuff when you're throwing a knuckleball. And I, I would love to see it work. You know, he grinded and grinded. A former first-round pick came out of college. Um, you know, just never quite stuck um, like a first-round pick you would hope would be able to stick and help your team. So maybe he can help them this way. But I, I give him two thumbs up for, for trying. He's not he's, – he's, not going away quietly. He's going to try something else. And uh, gosh, I, 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 it's maddening to watch these knuckleballers pitch and watch these guys flail around. And and I hope it works. Hey, you know, maybe it's a, a secret weapon as a pitcher for the Reds down the road. And uh, we know how much pitching costs in today's game. So if you get a bargain like that, some dude that wants to throw knuckleballs and it works, Give it a shot. It's in double A. It's not going to hurt anything. Sure. Uh, we, we looked it up before the show started. Uh, R.A. Dickey, the last knuckleballer to win a Cy Young in 2012. Um, Man. And that, and, and that guy, well, he was in his late 30s, right? Or 30s. Yeah, with, with the New York Mets. Uh, he came out of nowhere and, and flamed out almost as quickly. I don't I don't think he was quite the same after that that Cy Young award-winning yeah. season. Uh, people started to figure it out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, of course you're not going to blow out a rotator cuff when you're throwing the ball 58 miles an hour that's breaking everywhere. Yeah, well, you know, you had Phil Necro was the all-time best, but you had uh, um, Wilbur Wood. I remember Wilbur Wood one time started both ends of a doubleheader for the White Sox as a knuckleball. I mean, they can do goofy stuff like that, you know, you don't have to have a bullpen day if you got a knuckleballer around. If he pitched last night, he's ready to go to next day. It's it's <laughs> it's really a strange thing, but there's been a lot of them that have been good. Hoyt Wilhelm, um, there, there's been some around. Uh, Tim Wakefield um, yeah. that, that had some success, but I'll tell you what, when they have an off night, God, do they get crushed. <laughs> when that ball's not dancing, you in big trouble. We'll, we'll see what happens for, for the not-so-young man as there is a glut of inside infielders on this team, and there is no way he is going to be cracking into the no, bigs. No, he would not have seen the light of day with the infielders on this squad. Not a, not a bit. Nope. Uh, but outside of that, George, unless you got anything else. We're good, man. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up another episode of George in the Jungle here on the Bearcat Journal Network. Uh, again, thank you to Remington Tavern for sponsoring us. You can catch them at 8892 Glendale Milford Road, 45140. They're, they have daily happy hours from 3 to 7 p.m. and $5 Woodford Wednesdays. You can check them out on Instagram at Remitav, R-E-M-I-T-A-V, Cincy with a Y, or follow them on Facebook. Until then, though, we will see you next week on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. I don't believe there is a, there is not a game next week, so there shouldn't be anything impeding us from starting at our regular time. We'll see you then. Thank you.